Good evening, everyone. Now, my friends, I was informed that there's some type of traffic incident, an accident that's blocking 16. So some of our members that are coming in late, and uh, so we pray whatever happened uh, will be resolved quickly, and uh, everyone will have health. My friends, our first reading, the Israelites uh, are free at last uh, from the humiliation that they suffered in Egypt as slaves. And they enter a land of promise and partake of its produce. This is what our first reading from Joshua is talking about. And uh, our second reading, Christ brought about a reconciliation between God and humanity. That is why his son came. And the church's task uh, then, as St. Paul says, is to bring the benefits of this to all people, to act as his ambassadors. And... Um, uh, there are many lessons for this parable. Uh, two of them come uh, in this way. God came and uh, he offers his mercy to everyone. And uh, the second, perhaps, lesson is that um, all must respond to the invitation of a merciful God. And, my friends, the parable given today uh, by our Lord, um, uh, we see three uh, persons of importance, and each of these persons in the story speaks to us um, in a different but equally powerful way. First, uh, there is the son for which the parable is named, the prodigal son, uh, or wasteful son, who demands his inheritance and uh, goes off and squanders it all. Uh, we are told uh, the son goes off to a distant country, my friends, um, there's much symbolism here, so this is more than just a geographical place uh, that Jesus is referring to in the parable. In reality, it represents a way of living, a condition of the heart. And there are some uh, Christians who have known that distant country where they leave behind the church and the gospels to follow their own errant ways. They are lured to a place where sin is made to look appealing. But uh, sin isn't appealing for long. Uh, sin is fun until the person becomes enslaved to it uh, through very types of situations and addictions, such as alcohol abuse, which harms or hurts another or themselves, infidelity in marriage, uh, which destroy not only the marriage but the family. Sin is fun until selfishness and arrogance or deception distorts one's life and leaves the person isolated from God and others. And uh, this is the distant country that uh, many Christians have known in some way. The prodigal son uh, has a moment of recognition. I have sinned. It is a moment would you mind telling them to stop their conversation? It is uh, the moment when he no longer blamed the father for being like this and like that. When he no longer blames society for being too immoral. When he no longer blames his employer for being unfair. When he no longer blames his genetic makeup or birth order for making him rebellious. Excuses is what I'm getting at. 
that son comes to the realization, I have sinned. That moment is key uh, so that that person can have a different future. You often, um, how often one remains trapped in a destructive and sinful pattern of living and ready to blame anyone and anything because of it. It's a lack of responsibility that is uh, what we call blame mode. And uh, I've heard people blame parents, blame family members. They have blamed me as pastor. They have blamed the church. They blame society. They blame scandals that are in the public uh, purview. And they blame an immoral society for their behaviors. It is grace when the person is able to say and mean, I have sinned. It is a sign of moral awakening and spiritual maturity. The path to heaven's banquet of the prodigal son lies in the importance of being able to say and mean it, I have sinned. Another path is the one that we're uh, shown by the elder son in this parable. Um, it's his elder brother. And uh, maybe it's when the person feels that people who repent should not just be able to come back so easily. They should suffer somehow. They should be humiliated and have to pay for what they have done. True contrition and true desire to be different and to work towards that suffices, however. This is because of what the second reading is telling us. Because of Jesus Christ, by his wounds, and by his passion and death, he offers healing to all who will accept it. Because of Jesus Christ, we come back home, and we can. We are restored, is what the parable is telling us. It is true that the prodigal son had much to do to repair and rebuild that which he damaged by his choices. And my friends, uh, by no means do I tell you there are always consequences to your decisions. There are always consequences. But consequences are different from punishment. And should one's mistake be held against them forever? Because if so, none of us are going to the banquet in heaven. My friends, what the parable tells us and what Jesus' life told us is God is not harsh with repentant sinners. He does not give the repentant sinner what he deserves, but rather what he needs the most. And my friends, God's goodness to others does not diminish his love for me or for you. Sometimes Christians act very childish way. How dare, how dare they get to do that and come right back as if God's love for you is diminished because of it. God is free to give his grace to anyone that he desires and at any time he wishes. 
the parable tells us to both the saint and the repentant sinner, God offers something. From us, the repentant sinner will need support and help, including not our condemnation. Not our condemnation. When we encounter people who realize that they have done wrong and truly have contrition and of their own seek to offer restitution, what they do not need is recrimination or self-righteous attitudes. That's what the brother has, the elder brother in the parable. They need assistance from us to help them walk more in holiness to help them to walk more closely with Mother Church. That is one lesson of the older brother to us. Repentant sinners don't need our resentments, but our help to remain in a renewed and re rediscovered faith. They need our help and encouragement in their decision to return to the Lord. That is the way to the heavenly banquet for the older brother. We are not told what he does in the parable. Even though the father reaches out to him, we're not told what he does. In this sense, the parable is left open to insert ourselves into it. What will you do? My friends, finally, there is the father himself willing to take a repentant son back, seeking reconciliation for his family. St. Paul refers to this as the ministry of reconciliation. St. Paul calls it the ambassador. And that ambassador is to be a bridge builder. We have many, many people in our time who are experts in polarization and have made a way of life at it. The work of bridge building between divided and conflicted people is part of the walk of holiness of the disciples of Jesus Christ. The way of the Father is for all Christians that leads to that heavenly banquet referred to in the parable. My friends, this great parable has so much more, but this parable speaks to each one of us this day. It is through the prodigal son um, it speaks about the importance of us acknowledging I'm a sinner and need to change conversion. Through the older brother, it speaks of the need of those who repent for our assistance and not our resentment towards them. And through the lo loving and merciful father, filled with joy at the return of his son, it speaks to us about the holy and sacred ministry of forgiveness, of reconciliation, and of building bridges. Friends, my homily was based on my years of experience in the confessional, listening to those who acknowledge their sins, who have said, I'm a sinner, and then they speak about what their sin is. My friends, um, Jesus came to heal and repair that relationship with the Father.
to reconcile all things in himself for his Father. And we who call ourselves disciple of Jesus Christ, who want to walk in holiness, must do the same thing. But we will need his grace to do this. The human person cannot do it on their own. But they must begin to do so. My friends, I ask that you take this time on this uh, part of Lent to reflect on these things. Take a look at yourselves. Become those ambassadors for Christ that St. Paul spoke about. Because the world needs it. The world needs to know of the, lo- the Father's love and his mercy, particularly for those who repent from their sins. No grudges. Just to help them. Just to help them to walk in holiness more and more. Amen? My friends, last week, uh, um, I want to, again, to remind you, um, I had the conversation with you about the sacrament of the Eucharist and how uh, someone had been leaving uh, the, the consecrated host in the pew uh, was not only two weeks, but three weeks in a row. Um, so, again, to help me to bring this under control, remember, um, please, when you receive it on your hand, don't walk away with it. Uh, consume the Eucharist immediately, and this will help me to bring it under control and see what's going on. And again, uh, to uh, the Christians of other denominations who are with us, we love you. Um, but our church's teaching is very clear. The Eucharist is not for you. Uh, but if you're comfortable, because someone said, well, what do I do? Uh, someone who's a Methodist, what do I do? And I said, oh, if, you want to, if you're comfortable coming forward for a blessing in place of the Eucharist, just put your palms over your chest or your fingertips over your lips, and a blessing will be bestowed upon you at that time. And uh, um, together, um, my friends, together we will uh, ensure that the Eucharist is treated with respect and dignity and that whatever was going on for the reason someone was leaving it in the pew, that we will bring that to an end. And uh, um, okay, just a gentle reminder, please, when you come forward for those who receive in the hand, uh, consume immediately. Uh, and this will help me uh, to bring that to an end of someone leaving the Eucharist in the pew. Okay.